You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Rushed when I when I share things from God's Word, and and yet I'm excited about the things in God's Word, and so sometimes I try to wedge a thought in between songs or whatever, and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. But and that may be the case here. I may have you know half an hour and it may go well or it may not, but um, anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Um, if you remember a few, few months back, I, pardon? I think so. It sounds like I'm being amplified. The light is on. Doesn't it sound like I'm being amplified? Yeah, okay. So, all right, very good. Um, anyway, I, I, shared, I shared some thoughts from Colossians 1. And uh, finishing out with with uh, verse twenty nine in Colossians one. So we're going to be in Colossians again. Um, and I, as much as I love this passage, I'd I'd like to read the f- the first uh, chapter again of Colossians, but I'm not gonna just because I don't want to. I, I just don't want to take up too much time. Um, but we are going to be in Colossians two, actually verse twenty nine of chapter one, and then the first five verses of of chapter 2 of Colossians. So, I'm going to read, remembering that the the verses and chapter markings were not original, so I don't believe Paul is is changing a thought here from verse 29 uh, into verse 1. But So in verse 29 he says, For this I toil, again this was the, the proclaiming of Christ, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Well, going back to verses 29 of 1 and and 1 of of 2, I'm asking the question, what what is the struggle here? What is Paul's, what is he struggling with? with all God's energy, all Christ's energy uh, that works powerfully within him. And I believe Paul genuinely cares. If you look at all of Paul's writings, his letters, he genuinely cares for those that he's anticipating reading his letters. Um, he, throughout the letter somewhere, he's, he's speaking of, of how he prays for them, how he thanks God for them, and how he longs to see them. And so I believe Paul's, um, Paul's concerns are, are genuine, and it's not just believers in the, in the church that he's concerned about. Um, in Romans 9, he says that he wishes that he could somehow be accursed so that his Jewish uh, kinsmen could have the saving knowledge of Christ, that could, that could come to knowledge of the Savior. So for him to write, How great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, I believe is very genuine. 
But at the end of verse 1, he writes, and, and for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, this was curious to me because I was pretty sure he wasn't just thinking that the people at Laodicea and, and Colossae needed to see him physically, like just get a look at him. It seemed more likely that he was acknowledging that many of them, some if, if not all, had not, had not met him uh, personally and didn't really know him. Uh, they may have heard of him, and based on his previous time of persecuting the, the church, that may have been good or bad, uh, their knowledge of him. The Bible appears to use the term face-to-face to mean an, in, an intimate or full knowledge. Uh, back in Genesis 32, we see Jacob wrestling with God all night. And, and as that uh, situation comes to an end, Jacob realizes just the awesome mercy that's been shown to him in that he saw God face to face and yet his life was spared. He was delivered. And Jacob understood that the, it was the mercy of, of God that had delivered him. And at the death of Moses, uh, as we see in, in Deuteronomy, uh, it says, uh, and there was not, there had not risen a prophet since Moses in all, in all of Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So to know Jesus, the one who is greater than Moses, is Paul's, is Paul's heart. To be face-to-face with God through knowing Jesus is Paul's heart to those he's writing to. And I believe Paul knows that there's a connection between knowing and trusting the person that we're hearing from and giving credibility to what, to what he's saying. Um, do we trust people we don't know? How, well, how, much, how much trust do we give to a person that we don't know? If you said, do you know so-and-so? I might say, well, I've heard of him. His name might familiar, be familiar, but I don't really know him. I've never, maybe never met him. Um, Paul wanted his readers to know that he could be trusted with what he told them about God's word and about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same thing remains true today. If we don't trust every word in our Bibles as the word of God that was written by human authors, moved along by the Spirit, we don't know what we have. I mean, we really don't. We might, do we have Genesis 1, in the beginning God? Do we have the story of of the birth of Christ in Luke 2? Do we have John 3 that talks about how a man must be born again? And and the favorite verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. We don't know if we have these things if we start picking and choosing what authors we trust, what authors we believe from God's word. So it's very important that we rest in the truth that God's sovereign over his word and what he speaks to us from his word. An example, just specific, specifically again to, to mention Paul, but in Acts, we have, if you go to Acts 16.31, you're going to find... Uh, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. This proclamation to the Philippian jailer. Well, this came from Silas and Paul. So again, if, if Paul rubs us the wrong way, 
we have, it, we, and we start picking and choosing what we, what we agree with or what we don't, it can be um, a real slippery slope. Verse, verse 2, uh, he explains that the heart of his, of his struggle is that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He, he wants their hearts to be knit together in love. And last week, Mike shared from Philippians uh, just the challenge and, and the need for believers to get along uh, in, a, in a gentle, honoring way, Christ-honoring way, as we, uh, as we labor together in God's work. Uh, he noted how sometimes the challenge of, of this conflict can just be personality conflict. And uh, I kind of slid down a bit in my seat when he said that sometimes maybe it's just somebody that talks too much, just just talk, 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 talk. And I thought, well, you might find this hard to believe or easy to believe, but I was voted most talkative in my high school yearbook of, of the guys. Not, now, maybe the girl, you know, she might have talked. For that. Dave, he, he's not here, but he could vouch. He could vouch for that, that I did, I did a lot of talking. And it, and it wasn't, you know, I'm, to my shame, it's not, it wasn't the kind of talking that I'd like to say, well, I, I hope you heard that because there was truth in that. Um, so I get it. I get it that, you know, we sometimes rub each other the wrong way. And Paul gets it too. And if you turn in Colossians, one page over, roughly, depending on how your Bible's laid out, but to Colossians 3, uh, in verse 12 through verse 17, he gives some instructions for knitting ourselves together in love. So in verse, in verse 12, and think of these as layers. I, I, was, I didn't want to take too much time, but I was thinking about bringing duct tape um, some of my old farm equipment is, well, it's old, and it needs sometimes some help holding together, and tarp straps and duct tape are really go a long ways to hold things together, but to get, make it really strong, you need layers. You need, you need to put it this way and this way, and, and so if you think about these in terms of putting layers of duct tape together over our relationships to keep our relationships strong. Um, so verse 12 in Colossians 3, Paul says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him." So I ran out of fingers, but that was 15 things. If you can imagine 15 layers of duct tape, I can tear a piece of duct tape off, even that really good gorilla stuff, I can tear it off. But you put 15 layers of gorilla duct tape together, you're not going to tear it. I don't think I'm going to. So that's the picture I see of us putting on these gentle uh, attributes of Christ in our relationships within the church. 
Jesus had a few things to say about his kingdom and, and the church. Um, and, and it speaks to this, this need of unity within the body. And, and I, I recognize we're not all going to agree on every little thing. And we, and, and we don't have to. That's, that's not what we're... We're individuals. We have different tastes and, and likes and dislikes. But uh, coming together in the, in the unity of Christ is super important. And Jesus said in Matthew twelve twenty five, he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And that makes perfect sense. If, if we're working against each other, we're not, we're not going to be useful tools in his hands. Uh, he said, I will build my church. Uh, this is in Matthew sixteen eighteen. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <clears throat> so again, to the text here, Paul in... in the second part of verse 2, he says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He seems to imply that if the body of Christ, that is the church, is not operating under the bond of love in and for Christ, then we will miss out on the fullness of the riches of, of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, this blessing and understanding of knowing God's mystery, which is Christ. And then we continue into verse 3, which is, which is Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge of God can be awe-inspiring. And Psalm 19 speaks about how all of creation uh, speaks to the glory of God, testifies to the glory of God, and gives us reason to pause and consider this this creator that put all of this in motion. We look at the stars and, and just all of this massive things that we can't begin to reach or comprehend. And, and it should give us pause, take pause and consider just how awesome this God is. But it's one thing to know about God. But it's a matter of life and death to have saving knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Um, Luke 21, don't have to turn there, but you can if you want. Luke 21, no, excuse me, I'm sorry. Luke 10, verse 21. We have Jesus has sent out 72 evangelists in pairs of two. And they come back and they're excited about the fact that even the demons uh, are yielded to them, then subject to, to them in Jesus' name. And Jesus says, don't, don't rejoice in this. I mean, that's cool, but don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. And then it go, Luke 10, 21 goes on to say that in that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see 
and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. General knowledge can come from things we hear or read, but it may not lead to belief, which, is, which leads to repentance, which leads to trust, which is saving knowledge in Christ. And must come, this, this, this type of trust must come from a personal experience of the Holy Spirit convicting you to that I am a sinner and I, I have no hope of saving myself. This, this is the mystery of the gospel. I'm a sinner. I have no hope of saving myself. Uh, I have escaped just punishment through Christ who took my punishment. He was sinless and he lives for me and gave me his righteousness. If we don't see that as a big deal, if we don't see that we were dead in our sins, we had no ability, we were, we were helpless in our sins, for another way to put it. We had no way that we ourselves could save ourselves. What God did for us in Christ should be a really awesome thing. If we understood we had no other, no other hope, and our only hope is in Christ, then we should be really pumped about that. But if we don't see it that way, then we probably don't see our sin as that big a deal. If God's salvation isn't that big a deal, eh, take it or leave it, seems kind of, you know, Lot of lot of do's and don'ts, kind of burdensome, um, kind of a light thing. Then we really miss out on what God has prepared for us, ultimately, because what He's offering us is eternal life. Um, trivializing, trivializing God's holiness is in our hearts is what will lead to this. And I was reminded we we, we used to listen to the. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the dramatized Chronicles of Narnia books from C.S. Lewis. And there's a, one of the books, there's an uh, account where Mr. Beaver is explaining to Susan who Aslan is. And Aslan is, is the lion that represents Christ the king. And um, anyway, so Mr., Mr. Beaver says that he's a lion, the lion, and the great lion. And Susan says, oh, well, is he quite safe? Meaning, you know, is he harmless? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. And that's where our hearts need to be. We need to be in awe. We need to be recognizing that our sin and God's holiness is nothing to be, to be trifled with in the sense of, of our life, our li- life and death hangs in the balance with, between what we do with, with God's gift of Christ. But it's the mystery uh, that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. That's God's mystery. So how can we know this? Like, if it's a mystery and we can't see it, how can we, how can we know this? How can we see it? John 6, 63, Jesus says it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Spiritual blindness that came and, and, and spiritual deafness that came to Adam and Eve, that was, the, that was the immediate dying that God had warned them about if they disobeyed and ate 
from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Their disobedience, they didn't fall down dead. Like their physical bodies didn't die that day. But spiritually, they became dead immediately. They couldn't, they didn't see things in a spiritual light. They didn't hear things in a spiritual light. And they passed that condition on to all of creation. I mean, all, excuse me, all of mankind has been pa- that's been passed on to. And, of course, the curse of creation, uh, we deal with that. Um, all, of the, all of the life being so much harder. So this is why this, this need to have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears is why we pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for unbelievers that God would do this work in, in their hearts, that they would, they would recognize this, because otherwise it's foolishness. It makes no sense uh, apart from spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear. Um, see, without eyes to see the wisdom and knowledge of Christ as treasures which is what Paul says they are, verse 3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We may sit here week after week, Sunday after Sunday, months, years, hearing the truth of God's Word. We Maybe singing worship songs to the top of our lungs, you know, belting it out, our praise and, and worship to God. You know, and on a on a personal note, maybe even, maybe even going through the entire Awana course and maybe even earning the Timothy Award. And yet, trading this mystery of Christ for a season of sin. And maybe it's just a season, but we never know. We never know when that season will end in death, and there's no time for repentance. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We need to take that seriously. Hebrews chapter 10. And we don't know who wrote this, but it's God's Word. It came from Him. Chapter 10, verse 26 says, for we, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there are no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of one or, or two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In similar thought, Peter writes in Second Peter Verse 20 and 21. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. 
what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing, returns herself to wallow in the mire. In verse 4, and maybe to explain how, how these things can happen, how can we get drawn away, um, how can we be, get led astray, Paul says he wants them to know and receive this wisdom and knowledge of Christ so that no one may delude or deceive or lead them astray with plausible arguments. We could spend a lot of time here uh, on what these plausible arguments might be. But I'm not going to. I think it might be better to remind us that prayer and God's Word is our discernment tool. I love how Charles Spurgeon def- defines or defined discernment. He says discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's pretty easy. Most of us can determine right and wrong. But he says discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Satan's favorite tool is to twist God's word just enough that it, it sounds right, and we're pretty sure we heard that somewhere, but it's not right, and it leads us astray. He did that with Adam and Eve. He tried to do that with Jesus. He tried to use God's Word to, to tempt Jesus and to, and to twist it and to, to get Jesus to believe that, well, he was following God's Word if he did this. And that's, that's the, the thing that can trip up Christians the most is hearing something that sounds kind of true, sounds right, but at, closer, at a closer look, you know, under, under a more intense examination, we see, no, wait a minute, this doesn't line up. This is why we need to interpret Scripture with Scripture. If we interpret Scripture with, well, I've always thought, or it this is what I believe, or, you know, this makes sense to me, we're, we're in trouble. We need to interpret Scripture with Scripture, and that means we need to know our Bibles, which means we need to read our Bibles. And I'll be the first one to, to own up to the fact that that's a challenge. Our lives are busy. There's a lot of pressure. And to, to sit down and, and really study and more than just read words on a page, but really hear what God's Word is saying and how we can apply it to our lives, that takes time. It, it, it is. And our, our lives, we live in real time and there's a lot of pressures. The, the clock is not my friend. I, yeah, I just, I'm sure like you, it, it's just overwhelming some days how fast the clock moves and how little we think we get done. My brother says our, our expectations are too high. Uh, what we think we should be able to get done in a day may be just too high, and, and we need to you know, lower, the, lower the bar a little bit. I don't know if that's true or not, but I guess that would be a place to start. And, I, and I've, actually, I've done that. I've started there. I've, I've, as I shared a few years ago, I reached a point where I, just, I, I felt so guilty about how I wasn't you know, in the Word every day as much as I wanted to that I, I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to take that expectation off. I'm just not going to be in the Word every day and not feel guilty about not doing it. And, you know, that'll just take some pressure off and maybe I can breathe easier. Um, it just, it's not a good plan. It, there's other things that I should have cut out b- 
besides that. But, um, and anyway, by the way, there's a new concern for those of you that read the Bibles on your phones, your phone apps. Uh, my understanding is that there's big, big tech companies that own these apps. Now they're scrubbing verses from the apps. And so be on guard. Better, better have a copy of God's Word, hard copy, and know it well because things are going to change right before your eyes. History and God's Word are, are getting canceled, and we need to be alert to that. Well, even with all of these concerns, um, we can be encouraged right along with Paul that if we keep our eyes on, on Jesus and His faithfulness, um, we know that He's, he's working through these things, and our, our responsibility is to trust Him. Um, verse 5, we read, For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order. Now, does Paul mean he can be in the Roman prison and at the church's Colossae at the same time? No. But if we go back to verse 29 of 1 and, and 1 of 2, we see he's struggling with all of Christ's might. It's Christ's spirit working in him. It's the same spirit that he knows is at work in the, in the people in Colossae and Laodicea. So it's Christ's, it's Christ's spirit that is with Paul and with uh, the people in, in Colossae and with us, working in us. That's our confidence. He finishes out here saying, Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So what is faith? And, and where does it come from? There, there'd be a whole other message here, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that today. But let me close by saying, faith, true, true faith is saving knowledge of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's, that's faith. Hearing the word with spiritual ears is a gift. Like, we could be sitting here hearing blah, 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 blah. Or we could be hearing the words and just not connecting with like, okay, so I'm a sinner. I can't do anything to save myself. Nothing. Zippo, nada. Jesus did it all. Doesn't make sense to me. Pass. Or with spiritual ears, we can be like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. And yeah, I know I have nothing to offer. And I believe that Christ died for me. I believe that he covered the penalty of my sin. I believe he lives and gives me his righteousness. And that's saving knowledge. We repent of our sins. We, we confess our sins and Christ's salvation comes to us. We know this from Ephesians 2.8. It says, For by grace you have been saved and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift. Faith is the gift. It's right there. The gift is faith. We celebrate at Christmas Jesus coming. The gift of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment and provision of faith. Fulfillment for the Old Testament believers. They were looking forward to the Messiah. Provision for the church. Looking back, Christ, faith. One more place if you will. Galatians chapter 3. And verse 23. 
through 26. Now, before faith came, yet to come, faith before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified. The NIV says the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. I'm reading from the ESV, but the law was put in charge. The law was a guardian watching over us until Christ came. But now that faith has come, so until Christ came, faith has come. Faith, Christ. Christ came, faith came. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The law is not in control anymore. Christ is. For if Christ, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So, faith is saving knowledge of Christ. That is the gift of God through faith, through Christ. Let's praise Him for His indescribable gift. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Your Word. We pray that you would stir our hearts to, to dive into it, to see these things for ourselves, to search these things out and, and know if they be true. Don't take my word for it. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that can only come from your Son and through your word. I thank you for your mercies to us, re- remembering that we are but flesh, made from the dust of the ground. I pray that you'd work in our lives, that those around us would see Christ as strong and us as weak, trusting you, even though it looks like foolishness. Thank you again for your mercies. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota. 